Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. All right, today is a new day. Today, I will be transformed by the power of God, by the presence of God, and by the word of God to never be the same in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can be seated. So we've been talking about advancing, and <clears throat> how many of you know that sometimes when you are advancing, it looks like you're taking how many steps back? But actually, you are advancing. There's just sometimes it doesn't look that way. You just have to keep your eyes on the prize. Last week, we were talking about how fear can hold you back from God's best. How fear can actually alert us to danger, but also to opportunity. And I think that's a really important little nugget because sometimes we allow fear to grip us into such a measure in such a way that it actually draws us back and paralyzes us instead of actually propelling us forward, sometimes actually into our destiny. Amen? So, wow, how was everybody's week? Good? I want to stop for just a second. I want to, um, I want to say a, read a, a psalm to you, Psalm 20. Sometimes you just need to have a moment to remember who God is. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all of your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. And it says Selah, which means to just sit and think and meditate on that. May he remember all of your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves the, his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven. With the saving strength of his right hand, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and we stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. Could you stand back up to your feet? Father, right now we call upon you. You said that when we call upon you, that you will save us, that you will answer us. And we're asking and we're petitioning and we're standing in the gap right now. Not just for the world right now, not for every believer right now. God, I'm specifically petitioning and lifting up this request on behalf of the Well Church. That candlestick that you have placed, that you would remember your word and perform it. That you would pour out such a blessing that we don't have room enough to contain it. That you would restore and rebuild and upgrade the well sanctuary. 
that you would gather people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west to come together as a community of believers, as a family of God, to be equipped, to be empowered, to be strengthened, to be able to do your work and fulfill their destiny upon the earth. So God, we beseech you right now, we thank you that you hear our prayers. Come on, let's come together. Let's not just, I don't want to be the only one that prays. Could you lock hands together, please? Let's, let's really come together. And God, we are asking for an absolute miracle to take place. That there would be a financial breakthrough that would come. That what the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, that you have come to bring life and to bring life more abundantly. And that you are the repairer of the breach and restorer of streets to dwell in. And that that is exactly what will take place. I thank you for strengthening weak knees right now. That we will not be found weary while doing good. I'm asking for strength and for grace to come in greater measures and in greater ways. You said if we ask you for wisdom that you would grant it to us. And so I'm asking you for wisdom right now. And I'm believing and trusting that you will pour out your wisdom and that you will pour out your strategy. You will give us the blueprint. Each and every individual called into this place, whether they're here now or not here. God, I thank you that you're giving. It's like each member, each member supplies. Each part of the body supplies. It's not just a head that's doing it. It's not just an arm. It's not just a hand and it's not just a leg. But every single member comes together. And that's how the body functions. So I thank you, God, that it's in every member mobilization that you are doing. So I thank you for a release of creativity. We trust you. We declare that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right. We'll be having a family meeting. Um, I'm not sure. It'll be next week or the week after. We'll send out an email and we'll let you guys know. But um, just to put together some of the next steps so that you guys can actually grab a hold of what it is that you can do as well um, to get us back to where we need to be um, so that we can get our, um, what do you want to call it? I hate to use the word mojo, but whatever. <laughs> get things back and running and um, going forward. So uh, I know I have a lot of people saying, I want to get back into the sanctuary. We want to get back into the sanctuary. And... Um, doesn't feel like community because we're not back into the sanctuary. So we're going to talk about how we can all come together and make that happen and uh, what everyone can do to help us get there. Amen? Because as you uh, recall, and if you don't remember, um, we, are, like, we aren't getting any insurance money at this time. It could be years down the road. So we're going to pull together and um, we're going to do this and um, we're going to just continue moving forward. So... A fear alerts us to danger, but it also alerts us to opportunity. So if there's fear in, like, how is this going to work, that tells me there's an opportunity that lies up ahead. Amen? All right, so I want to talk to you about um, 
one of the things that uh, really keeps us back from advancing and moving forward, and it's out of my book, um, which is, is shame and shattering shame. I believe there's all of these different roadblocks that prevent us from moving forward. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that, because shame doesn't happen just as a result of sin. Sometimes we think shame comes because somebody has sinned. Sometimes that's true, and it opens up the door to that. Sometimes it happens just because of weaknesses that you may have, I may have, shortcomings. When we come and we compare ourselves to other people, friends, um, maybe you had a promotion, or you thought you were going to get a promotion, and you told everybody about this promotion that you were going to get, only to find out that you didn't get the promotion, and so now you're shameful, and then you hide back, and you isolate yourself. I want to talk about how we can break free from that cycle of shame that continually keeps us spiraling downward instead of upward. And um, remember, we have to stay this way in order to go this way. Um, so I'm going to read um, scripture to you out of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to her husband, who was also with her, he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig, trees to, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden." But when the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now we understand that this picture wasn't like, they didn't just hide from God, they hid from each other. And I believe that it's not just like naked physically, but they also felt naked, just vulnerable. It's like all of a sudden, they, this intimacy that they once had with God, and the intimacy that they once had with each other, they now were hiding from one another. And that's what shame does. Shame always wants to bring you into a place of isolation. If you could bring that tree up. We were born for connection. We weren't born for isolation. We weren't born to separate ourselves because of the things that happen and take place in our life. So when we look at uh, shame, many of you have heard this before, but some of you have not, and this is all in my book. With that, we have two types of fertilizer in that soil of shame, and that is secrecy and silence. Secrecy says this, literally, nobody can know this area of my life. I have to keep it silent. I have to keep it a secret. If I were to expose that, what would people think of me? These are how you know if you're dealing with shame. What would they think about me? Would they like me? Will they judge me? Would they still want to be around me? So you start to shut down because of the fact that you think, you know what, I have this secret. Maybe you're struggling with pornography. The greatest thing you can do is actually find someone 
that you can trust, open up to, expose that thing. Vulnerability is one of the things that breaks down secrecy and silence. When you're vulnerable, that's where honesty is birthed. Because uh, that's, that's where you have to actually speak with the truth of what's going on in your life. And it doesn't even have to be a sin. It could also just be something that you feel weak and short in, that you just don't feel like you measure up in. Don't keep those things as hidden because it becomes shameful. And what happens is that secrecy and that silence causes you to come back and not be able to press into what God has for you. Silence has the uncanny ability to appear harmless while eroding identities to connection. So what cancels it? We just talked about that. Getting rid of all of the false pretenses, not being consumed or concerned about the opinions of man, but actually exposing the very thing that's causing you to, to, to withdraw from what life is, to withdraw from friendships, to withdraw from what um, God has called you to. Remember we were talking earlier, um, becoming world changers. How do you become a world changer? When you actually embrace the gifts that God has given you as unique and individual as they are, and you don't compare yourself to somebody else. As soon as you compare yourself to somebody else, you open yourself up again to that door of feeling inadequate and shame can come in. Does that make sense? So what are some of the lies that we are believing? Just ask yourself that for a second. What self-talk do you have? What story are you telling yourself? Can you, I remember meeting with a young man, um, it was a few years ago, and I knew that he was doing something, um, I had discernment that it was like he was into drugs and doing other things, but he wouldn't admit it. And so we'd talk and talk and talk, and we would meet and we would meet and we would meet. And so I said, finally, what lie are you telling yourself? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, because you're withholding information because you have shame in your life, and you're afraid that if you actually expose what it is that you're dealing with, that I'm going to judge you. What other lies are you telling about yourself that's causing you to feel this way? And all of a sudden, it was if a light went on, and he, this is a man, began to just break and weep. And he started sharing the fact that he had been addicted to drugs. He was smoking weed mainly and doing other types of weed because we know it's legal, right? But that doesn't mean anything. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was all these other things about how he felt about himself, that he was constantly comparing himself to his brother, that everything that his brother did always turned to gold. Everything that he did did not turn to gold. And so what we have a tendency to do is when there's pain, we try to numb it. And I say, you have to feel the pain to heal the pain. And he did everything he could not to feel the pain because he believed all of these lies about himself. And it's a story that he was telling himself over and over and over again. And as a result, it was really holding him back from really believing what he believed when he was probably a little boy of all the things that he actually dreamed about doing and accomplishing until one day either someone or himself said, you can't do that and you're not good enough. Exposing those secrets and those lies are really important. 
I, I challenge you to take time to honestly ask yourself, what stories am I telling myself? What fears do I have that are actually holding me back instead of pushing me or propelling me forward? Like this, listen to this. Realize that you have nothing to fear from knowing the truth. If you're like most people, the idea of facing the unvarnished truth makes you anxious. To get over that, you need to understand intellectually why untruths are scarier than truths. And then, through practice, get accustomed to living with them. Let me say that again. To get over, if you're like most people, the idea of facing an unvarnished truth, in other words, the raw truth, makes you anxious. To get over that, you need to understand intellectually why untruths are scarier than truths. The things that we're actually creating in our mind are scarier than the actual truth. And then through practice, get accustomed to living with them. If you're sick, it's natural to fear your doctor's diagnosis. What if it's cancer or some other deadly disease? Have you ever done that? You've got like something going on, you're like, oh, I'm probably dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go to WebMD. You, you probably have about a month to live. But you look at that and you look at the worst possible scenario. As scary as truth may turn out to be, you'll be better off knowing it in the long run because it will allow you to seek the most appropriate treatment. The same holds for learning painful truths about your own strengths and about your own weaknesses. Knowing and acting on the truth is what we call the big deal. So actually being honest and sincere with yourself and being able to say, okay, here's my strengths, here's my weaknesses, and actually recognizing them. What do you do when you do that? You actually set yourself free. You set yourself free to actually pursue the things that, and the gifts and the uniqueness that God has given you. I look at my own life and I see my own weaknesses. The best thing I can do is then surround myself with people who have strengths where I am weak. That's why I say we are called into community, we are called into family, we are called into the body of Christ. When you get saved, you didn't get saved to be isolated and to be on your own. And the saddest thing that is happening in the body of Christ, and I know that there are some that are still moving forward and they're hungry, but if you look at the majority of churches, they're now at 50% attendance rate. What does that tell you about where we are at as a society? that it's so much easier to sleep in in the morning and stay home. And before you know it, you can turn off the, the, the Facebook Live. And that becomes, I can watch it later. And so then you think, well, I'll just watch it later. But then later never happens. It's called a slow fade, folks. Don't think for a moment that any of you are immune from it. And here's the other thing. Your responsibility, my responsibility, there's so much pressure that is put on leadership. And I, in the church that so many leaders just finally just give up. They put their hands up and they say, I can't do it anymore. And I know a number of them who have done it, who have just locked the doors and said, I can't do it. Because it's day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, when the responsibility is a five-fold gift, read the Bible, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You're the ones that are to be equipped and out and doing the work of the ministry. And I don't say this on Sundays as, as, as like a nice little thing. When you're looking around and you see people who have not been here, it's not my responsibility, it's actually your responsibility to hold them accountable to see where they are at in their relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We're called as a body. Every joint supplies. It cannot be just a head that is doing everything. It has to have an arm. It has to have a hand. It has to have a, it has to have a leg and a foot. There's all of these parts of the body that have to come together and make the glorious church that Jesus died for. Max said something so important. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Are we seeking all the other things that will be added to us without seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I go back to when I got saved. In the, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the date. In like nine, early 90s. And I remember feeling like I just encountered the best thing that could ever, ever have happened to me, which is find out about Jesus Christ, which was to find out that really he took all of my sins, because I had plenty of them, and that he still looks at me and loves me and accepts me and wants to be with me. He's actually redeemed me that no matter what I had done, it had all been wiped away. It wasn't just covered up. It was just like he said, I take your sin far from you as the east is from the west. So do I take your sin from you. He doesn't even remember it anymore. So you bring back to his remembrance what you did wrong and he says, I'm sorry. He has no recollection. He literally removes it. And we find ourselves here constantly struggling with the regrets of the past, which is also one of the things that you'll see on this tree, all the regrets of the past. And he's like, what are you regretting? Move forward. Move forward. So remember just having this revelation of the goodness of God and of the love of God. And I couldn't wait to be a part of this family of believers. And I couldn't, I, I, my, my mind could not fathom that anywhere I went in the whole entire world, I would have brothers and sisters, even mothers and fathers. I was part of this heavenly kingdom upon the earth. People would come so early to get to church. Remember I was one of those girls that was like the altar workers, so I got to walk by everybody and open the door, and I thought it was hot stuff because they all had to wait until the doors opened, but people were like waiting and waiting and waiting to get inside. And when I had the opportunity, listen to what I'm saying, the opportunity to serve, I couldn't wait. And if anything took, listen to me, this is the honest to God truth. I was making well into six figures. I was extremely, extremely prosperous. And that was 25 years ago. I would have given that up, and I did give it up, actually, so that I could serve God first and foremost. When I started feeling burned out, I did not set down the things that I was doing for the church. I would have to set down something else in my life first because I prioritized what it was that was actually important to me. Nobody told me to do that. I wasn't instructed to do that. It was something in my walk with God that he was my priority, and I don't know where that is going in the church. Are you listening? C. 
seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added. I think we're doing the seek the, all the other things. And then we'll get to the kingdom of God and his righteousness when we have time. John 10.10, I quoted this when we were praying. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. In the Amplified, it says this. The thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The only way you can have an over, that overflowing life here, let me give you a word picture. So yesterday I, was, I went for a walk um, on, off a of Grand River. I guess it's called the Silos or whatever, off into that direction. And we're walking along the path, and you could see that the water had raised up so far, now it had receded, that there was ice that was floating around a tree that was like suspended. It's like this high, and you're looking at it, you're like, wow, that's how much water was up onto that tree. That's crazy. What happened? It overflowed outside of its banks. The kind of life that God has for you and I is not the, th the kind that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that he came to bring us life, that Zoe, life of God, abundantly literally means outside of its banks your whole life should be so abundant that it's pouring out to where it is actually affecting people that are around you where we are leaders in the marketplace we are leaders in the workplace we are leaders in our home we are leaders that we're not borrowers but we are lenders are you listening to me we're the ones that are creative we're the ones that are actually inventing things we're leading in government because why because we have this over abundant overflowing life because we put Jesus Christ first that's the key. You're not going to have this overabundant life. Now you can say, well, look in the world. If that's what you want, you want to just seek mammon and you just want to seek wealth, then you can have that absolutely 100% apart from God. But when you're a Christian, there's something within you that wants, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like this, this hole that says, I'm not complete until he's number one in my life. When you have that and you have the seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. You will have this and you will have that life more abundantly, seeking, overflowing, and actually affecting the people that are around you. And then none of this, none of the little fruit, nasty actually, nasty manifestations of the fruit from a shame tree will even be able to enter. Could you put that back up, please? Suspicion, depression, hopelessness, anger, unforgiveness, heaviness, loneliness, fatigue, fear, self-pity, resentment, isolation, and performance. And notice that the trunk there is actually fear is one of the greatest strongholds. When you believe a lie long enough about yourself or somebody else, it becomes a stronghold in your life. And when that, that thing becomes a stronghold, it's a fortress. And it is hard to actually see anything that's truth. Let's look at some of these um, 
I want to look at seven of these real quickly. Anger, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, regret, insecurity, and performance. Anger left unchecked will turn into resentment. The feeling of displeasure, indignation at some act, remark, or person regarded as causing an injury or an insult. How many of you can honestly say that you've had moments, and maybe you're there right now, where your anger has turned into resentment? It could be toward an individual and often is toward God. I have been so angry with God and had so much resentment that literally I could look and say, okay, I have this indignation, this feeling of displeasure towards you because I feel as though you fell short, God. How many of you ever felt like that before? Just be honest. We all have. If you leave that resentment unchecked, it turns into bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. When we look at our lives and we look at bitterness, that word bitterness literally um, means poison. And so whenever you have bitterness in your soul, that root of bitterness is actually poison. And it doesn't stay in one area. When you have something that's been poisoned, it actually infiltrates every area of your life. And so we want to always be careful that we don't find ourselves with, the, with this type of fruit. When we see this type of fruit, that's when I have to stop. If I feel like depression is overtaking me, if I feel heaviness, I feel all this stuff. Remember we talked about this? a while back, and I said, remember, you've done everything you're supposed to do. You've quoted the scriptures. You put the praise music on. You've done all the things you're supposed to do, and you still have it. Then you have to look at what lie is it that I'm actually believing, because it's the untruth that actually has more damage than truth itself. The untruth, the varnished truth, the, the thing that we actually believe could happen that may not even ever happen. That's the untruth. When that thing gets exposed with actual truth, then that breaks, does that make sense? And then we were in the office today. I was sharing some things, and we were just talking about before the service. I said, you know, sometimes you just have to remember this one thing, and that is that we are saved, that we are redeemed. We know Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. If that's the one thing that you can remember all day long, it puts your heart and your eyes back on to what's really important. And I'm like, God, that's so good. And then I started thinking about the value that he places on us as individuals. Do you know how you determine the value of something? What someone's willing to pay for it. So when I look at how valuable we are that God was willing to send his son to die for us. That's the value he placed on you and I. It's a pretty high value. Let's go to the identity tree. Well, that looks a little nicer, doesn't it? First John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And that word perfect literally means to be mature. So when we actually come into the fullness of who God is, 
we are uh, mature in his love, fear doesn't have as much of a stronghold on us, and that's the soil of our identity. That's how we know who we are and whose we are, is to be established in the love of God. So when we look at that, we have a little bit, we have more life-giving fruit, which is what God wants for our life. This is the abundant life. This is what we're talking about. That abundant life, that life that overflows, that actually impacts the people that are around you, wherever you're at, wherever you work, you should, we should be leading the way. Whatever you're doing, you should be the best at what you're doing. You should be leading the way. And other people are looking and they're watching. It doesn't matter if you're um, like the top surgeon in a hospital. You could be a greeter, be the best greeter. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But we have to be those who are leading the way. With this, when you have identity and you're solidified in who you are in Christ, you're going to have a creativity. It'll drive you crazy not to be creative. There will be something about you that will desire a, a creative outlet and a creativity. You'll be trust. You're going to trust people. You're not going to be suspicious. When you're full of fear and you're full of shame, you're suspicious. You're always wondering why people are thinking what they're thinking or what are they thinking about you. You have suspicion. Here you don't. Uh, authenticity. It's easier to have authentic, vulnerable, transparent relationships. There's hope that fuels you instead of depression. You long for connection. You no longer want to be isolated because you have, you have an identity in Christ. There's joy and there's confidence, vulnerability, and security because you're secure in who you are and whose you are. Father, in this season that we are in, I'd ask that you would just continue, continue to develop each and every one of us individually and then corporately as a body to function with one another. You said that where there is unity, that you command a blessing. Unity is not agreement. It is putting our eyes upon Jesus, the prize, the author and the finisher of our faith, walking together toward a common goal and a common purpose. Establish that deeper within our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go to verse 12, and I'll close with this. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being member, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, 
I am not of the body. Is it not therefore the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body. This is the word of God. That there should be no schism in the body. But that the members should all have the same care for one another. Do you not hear and feel the heart of God? Again, I have to challenge you. Be that. Be this. A member of the body. If you're an eye, be an eye. Whatever your part is, be your part. But be your part. Last Sunday, we celebrated all of our volunteers and, well, most of them that could make it. And I love to celebrate what people are doing. Let's also celebrate one another and even in other people's weaknesses. When someone is weak, they need strength. They don't need judgment. They need someone to reach out to them. Don't be fearful of reaching out. You know how many times I would reach out to somebody and they'd be like, oh, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. Sometimes people just need a kind word or they need a nudge. Other times they might need a kick in the pants. Whatever the case may be, that's all being a part of the body. Amen? I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. Every week I like to... Um, I'm closing. Every week I like to thank people for all that they're doing and the sound and the worship team. Um, but there's somebody else that gets here really early um, that is also kind of like behind the scenes and does things and goes shopping and during the week and like it's time consuming and does a lot more than what you may think and takes a lot more time than you may think it takes. And that's Camellia. So could you stand to your feet and let's honor her for all this she does for us. I know she's gonna hate me for this, but that's okay.
because she's the last person that wants any accolades. But I want you just to, when you see her um, today, um, throughout the rest of this morning while you're here, just thank her for all that she does. She gets her super early, and she's here during the week and does things as well. So we just want to thank her for all that she's done. All right. um, You guys are blessed. I love you. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.